It says in um, 1 John, it says, as he is, so we are on this earth. So we are to reflect uh, the character and the nature of Jesus. And character is so important. And it's not something that's immediately um, learned, you know. Character takes time. And that's why Bible study and, and being planted and rooted in church is so important in, in because our character is, is almost like this beautiful piece of sculpture that you'd see, you know, uh, an artist sculpting or a painter painting. It takes time and it, it, it becomes, at the, at the beginning it looks like nothing at all and then over time it starts taking shape and suddenly by the time the, the artist or the sculptor is finished, there's this masterpiece, and that masterpiece is, you know, the righteousness of God in us. And um, that's the character and nature of Jesus. So I just want to look at a couple of scriptures today um, in Isaiah 42. And um, this was God prophesying about Jesus uh, coming. Look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me in whom I am delighted. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed. You know, Jesus is so tender and so gentle. And he's not at all pushy uh, or overpowering. You know. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. In faithfulness, he will bring justice to all who have been wronged. That's a promise you can hold on to. If there's been a time in your life where you have been wronged, you know, God is faithful and he will bring justice. He's the God of justice. It's part of his character. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instructions. They will put their hope in him. And I love that reference there of the distant lands because I read one time that that's, it's called the coastal islands. And, um, you know, we are a coastal island far away. I think it's whatever way it, it was um, translated from the, the original Hebrew, it means the, the, the distant far off islands. And um, it sort of said veering towards um, the west over towards, you know, Great Britain and Ireland. So, you know, is that the Lord mentioning, mentioning us over here? God the Lord created the heavens and stretched them out. He created the earth and everything in it. Look at this. He gives breath to everyone. Life to everyone who walks the earth. And it is he who says... I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you, and I will give you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them. And you will be a light to guide the nations, to guide the Gentiles. So what the Father was saying here was, I'm giving you Messiah as um, a covenant uh, with my people, the Jews, and as a light and a covenant for the Gentiles, the nations. I think there's someone there, yeah. Thanks, Johan. And it says, you will be a light to guide the nations. 
You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. So I suppose we can't pass that line of scripture without thinking about those captives, those hostages in Israel that are being kept in tunnels in, you know, and in, in various places being hidden away. And Lord, we thank you, Father, that you sent Jesus to free the captives and to release those who have been held captive against their will. We cry out to you today for those men, those women, and those children, O oh God. And Lord, we pray that every spirit of lying, deceit, confusion, and chaos, every malevolent spirit of malice and, and evil wickedness that's seeking to keep those people hostage we pray those unclean things would be broken today that their power would be revoked and that those people would be set free in jesus name we pray today O oh god for the peace of jerusalem for your nation israel because you love you love israel you love jerusalem you love your people jews you love all people but in god's eyes there's two groups of people jews and gentiles and praise the Lord, we the Gentiles have been grafted in to his family. That includes um, any, whatever denomination you can think of, M Muslims, Buddhists, uh, Hindus, all of these people. God loves each one of us. He created us. He knit us together, each one of us in our mother's womb. And, you know, the enemy has come to seek to break uh, and, and bring his destruction in people's lives and keep them separated from God. But Jesus came as a light. And, you know, I know a lot of people have issues about Christmas and lights and all that and, and, and various things. But the thing about it is, is that, you know... He is the light of the world. Amen. And I love, personally, I love lights. I think because every time I see a light, it reminds me of Jesus, you know. And it's, it's, it's to whom you give your, your affection to. It's to whom you give your, your adoration to. Because you have people who are, you know, worshipping all kinds of things. That's, that's their problem. But as for me and my household, we serve the living, risen God. And we worship the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so... Um, sorry, we're in Isaiah 42, Dennis, sorry about that. And very uh, good morning. Um, <coughs> you will be a light to guide the nations. That's verse um, 6 and 7. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else nor share my praise with carved idols. And so that's what I'm talking about there. You know, you have two groups of people on earth. You have people who worship the Lord, Yahweh, God, the creator of heaven and earth, the living God, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the true God. And you have people who worship idols, whatever they are. Anything else is an idol. And so he said, everything I prophesied has come true. And now I will prophesy and declare again new things. I will tell you the future before it happens. And so, you know, he's revealing there that in Isaiah 42 that he is the light of the world and that he came to heal, to set the captives free, to open the blind eyes for people, you know, not just the blind, the physically blind, but also the spiritually blind. 
And um, isn't it interesting that he gives breath to everyone? I've been studying about breath there lately. He gives breath to everyone, life to everyone who walks on the earth. And the breath, you know, that he gives is the breath of God, the spirit of God, the ruach. That's what he breathed into Adam when he, when he formed his body out of the dust. That's why we need minerals, why we need vitamins, why we need, you know, uh, why we... we um, our bodies react to those things because that's what we're made from. We're made from the earth. We're made from the, the resources of the earth. That's why we need to replenish our bodies. And unfortunately, nowadays, of course, they spray everything, you know, and um, it's not always possible to, to have the pure. Um, but when, when God formed Adam, he formed him out of the dust of the earth. And then Adam was nothing without when God breathed up his nostrils the breath of life, the ruach. And that's what he says there. He gives breath to everyone and life to everyone who walks in the earth. That's something you can release uh, over yourself, you know. Um, for lots of people are having colds and different things at the moment. You can speak that over yourself. Father, you are the one who gives me life. You give me the breath of your spirit, the ruach, the breath of God. And I thank you that your breath uh, releases the oxygen of heaven into my lungs releases uh, oxygen right through my body because you know your lungs carry bring in the the oxygen and then the the blood vessels carry that right throughout your body so you know if there's some issue some physical issue or ailment you just release the breath of life the ruach in jesus name amen so in um in john chapter 12 This is just something that's, I don't know that any of this is connected, but it's all been on my mind this week. In, in John 12, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead in John 11. In John 12, he was still there with them. And Mary um, broke the ointment, the, the sacred ointment, it was, it was um, the nard, you know, or the spike nard or whatever, but, it, you know, it was some kind of um, something like, or it, it itself, I'm not sure, myrrh, uh, which is a really difficult and precious and costly oil to extract from that tree. And um, it was used by God as part of the anointing oil, that he um, taught Moses to make for the tabernacle. So it was representative of the Spirit of God. And um, just two things in, in John chapter 12. When Mary took the jar in verse 3, a 12-ounce jar of, ex, of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. It says in the Word of God that a woman's hair is her crown of glory so if you see here what she was doing is she was taking her glory and she was using it to minister to Jesus she was totally yielding to him and submitting to him and it says as she wiped her feet with her hair the house was filled with the fragrance and that word house there, it translates from the Greek 
to not just mean the actual physical building. It means everybody who is in it. The household, the family. And you know, that's something really interesting. Is that Mary, as she ministered to Jesus, she smelt the same as Jesus. And that everybody in that house smelt that presence. You know, he was there with them. And um, isn't it wonderful that he says, where two or three of you agree on anything on this earth or gather in my name, I am there in the midst of you. And so when we're gathered here, Jesus is with us. But part of his name, you talk about the nature and the character of God, part of his name, which we focus on at this time of year perhaps because of the prophecy in, in Isaiah, is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And he went farther than that. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He said, it's better for you that I go back to the Father because I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. And so when we're in alignment with God and when we are worshipping and and yielded to Jesus, yielded to his Holy Spirit, you know, I'm not saying you don't need anybody, but the Holy Spirit is there with you. And so there's two of you everywhere you go. You're not alone. There's two of you. You're never alone. And you have that agreement and you have that presence of God. And so then he went to Jerusalem. He came in in the triumphant entry um, on the donkey, just as Isaiah had prophesied 700 years before. Jesus fulfilled it. And then in verse 20, well, actually, interestingly enough, when he did come into Jerusalem, it said... um, In 17, many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. And uh, they were testifying about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to one another, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. In John chapter 11, in the previous chapter, the Pharisees, uh, the religious leaders, got together and they said, look what this guy's doing. Everybody is going after him. They plotted at that stage to kill Jesus and to kill Lazarus. (laughs) He was already dead, but they were plotting to kill him again because they were so incensed. They were so incensed and so angered because their little apple cart was being disrupted. Let me tell you, friends, and I prophesy this, there are many apple carts that are about to be kicked over by the Lord. Many apple carts, many cozy cartels, many cozy cartels in churches, in religious settings, in in communities, in governments, in organizations, in uh, drug cartels and... uh, Uh, human trafficking rings there are many cozy cartels that are about to be kicked over by the king of glory hallelujah in Jesus name so what happened here in verse 20 it says some Greeks uh, they weren't necessarily from Greece it means some non-Jews whoever they were they could have been Muslims they could have been uh, Hellenists Greeks they could have been Pagans, atheists, whatever. They were non-Jews. Came to Jerusalem 
for the Passover celebration and they paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. And they said, I just think this is one of the most poignant verses in the Bible. It always kind of makes me weep. Sir, we would see Jesus. Sir, we would like to meet Jesus, Yeshua. And I believe that's what many people are still saying today. Only they don't see much of him (laughs) in what is being displayed and demonstrated as being Jesus. And what they said there, it's interesting their choice of words. They said, we want to meet Jesus. But the word meet there, it translates to mean encounter. We want to encounter him. We want to fall in with him. Okay, Uh, again, there's a a, a connotation or or a sense here of yielding. Um, In fact, it's actually a military term they used. They used to go under him quietly in a military sense. As in, he's the head, he's the commander, and we want to fall in line in his army, in his followers. And so, you know, we are to follow Jesus. We are to reflect him. And not just outwardly. And this is something I believe that, that the Lord is going to deal with. It's something that we have seen ourselves, uh, you know, in the last while. Is that God is bringing to the forefront holiness, righteousness, integrity character the character of god and as i said earlier on not fluff and 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 fancy because sometimes that's a complete cover-up it's it's integrity it's humility it's the nature and the character of jesus and that's what these greeks said we want to um bring ourselves under him in an inferior position or condition, especially, uh, especially covertly or moderately, as in, just like what John said. What did John say, John the Baptist? He said, he must increase and I must decrease. And so people are wondering how to minister to the lost. You know, it's as we yield to the Holy Spirit, as we yield to God, as we do everything to delight God, to, to bring his name glory and honor. But oftentimes, some of the stuff that's being done in his name is bringing him no glory and no honor. It's bringing people, you know. And so, that's what they were saying. And so, you know, God is raising up an army of followers. Okay, if you look at John um, chapter 11. No, um, Sorry, Matthew 11. Matthew 11. Shut that up. Hold on to the key. In Matthew 11. (coughs) 28. Everybody knows the scripture. If you look, though, at, at um, 25, at that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. 
O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, here we're looking today at the character and the nature of Jesus. We saw earlier that he was so, you know, gentle that he would not crush the weakest reed. We see here that he's saying that in his presence or in his nature, there is rest and peace. There's humility. My yoke is easy and the burden I bear is light. So everywhere that Jesus goes, there's light comes in. And you know, light is great because light brings warmth. It brings, um, you know, exposing. Uh, it, it, it quenches the darkness. It, it, it makes fear leave when light comes in. You know, uh, when my children were younger, they wouldn't go out into the yard once it got dark. Uh, ask them, go out to the car there. Not a hope. It's pitch dark out there. You know, the thing is, is that if the lights are on or if it's daytime, people are not afraid. So, light. If you go back now to John chapter, back to John's gospel in John 14. He just said there, the father has hidden these things from, you know, uh, the ones who think they're wise and who know it all. And he's revealed them to the childlike. And in John 14, you saw there in John 12 that the Greeks, the non-Jews, came to Philip and they said, we want to encounter Jesus. We want to get to meet him, but not just meet him as in hello. We want to actually yield to him and come in line, fall in line with his army, follow him and be like him. And um, in John 14, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when everything is ready, I will come and get you. So that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way. The truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you'd really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? You know, that's something, that's spiritual blindness. And it's something that, you know, God is, is removing Jesus came to open the eyes of the blind and it's by spending time in his word and spending time with him that our eyes are opened to the truth of his word. Amen. It's the Holy Spirit who reveals the word to us. 
So as we lean in and, and press in for the Holy Spirit to, to show us these things, we just read there a while ago that he'll show you secret things yet to come in Isaiah 42. Well, here he said, um, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the works that you've seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. You know, that's often misquoted. You can ask for anything in my name and God will do it. Uh, and then, you know, people get mad because uh, something hasn't happened that they demanded of God. He said, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. You have to ask yourself, is this going to bring glory to God? And if it is, then that's the way you pray. Father, I ask you to use me for your glory. And I thank you, Lord, that this thing will be for your glory, not for mine. That this will be for your kingdom, not for mine. And unfortunately, I think that's where much of the church has gone wrong, is that people have started to build many kingdoms and ministries within ministries and, you know, uh, have, have got their eyes off the ball because it's for the glory of God and not for the glory of man. You can ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And um, in Matthew 16, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, if you want to have a look at that, we're backing over. That's good for you. <laughs> it's warming your fingers. Praise the Lord. It is like being in the Caribbean today because there's such heat inside here. <laughs> it's only when it's off that you realize that. <laughs> um, Matthew 16 and verse 24. He says, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must stop thinking about yourself and what you want. <laughs> You must be willing to carry your cross. Well, you must stop thinking about yourself. It's, you must deny himself. Well, that word translates to mean stop thinking about yourself, denying yourself. It means to lose sight of one's own self and one's own interests. So what I want and what I need and what I think is best, that is has to be laid down. That's why he's saying deny yourself. Um, it actually, another translation of it, uh, to deny himself means to affirm that one has no acquaintance or connection with someone else. So to deny yourself is actually to cut off all other, all other uh, needs, wants, desires. And just to focus on what God wants. So deny yourself. And uh, to follow, it means to join as a disciple. And uh, to carry your own cross. Well, your own cross is self-denial. What, what I want, what I need, what I... Uh, and, and so it's really, I suppose, taking the idol of I and me down. And putting up God. Uh, as the one whom we adore and serve. 
And um, in uh, 24, one second, I've lost myself there now. In, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So this is, and, and Mag spoke very eloquently the last day at the day of prayer, I thought, about that. You know, is that that was something that always weighed her down, was that we have to carry the cross. And, or, you know, carry some, some disaster or destruction or some pain or some sickness or some, some whatever problem as a cross. But it's Jesus who carried the cross and he's the one who died on the cross. And the cross, uh, later on, Jesus explains that the cross is persecution. The cross is denying yourself. The cross is giving up your wants, hopes, dreams, and desires. And saying, Lord, I, I bring all this before you. And I thank you that whatever it is that you want, whatever it is that's your plan, that's what I want, to bring you glory. And so he says there, uh, in fact, here in this place, this is where he had told, one minute he'd asked Peter, or he'd asked the disciples, who do you think I am? And Peter said, you're the, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus prophesied over him, you know, um, God himself revealed this to you by, by his spirit. No man told you this. And then he went on to say about how he would build his church based upon that foundation that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God. And then he said, but the son of God is going to have to suffer. And then Peter says, no way. Those things are not going to happen to you. And so in the next breath or whenever this happened, Jesus has to rebuke Peter and say, get behind me, Satan, because it's not, you're not speaking out the things of God, um, but the things of man and the, and the things of the enemy. And so here, this is why he's saying, if you want to be my followers, you're going to have to give up your own ideas, your own logic, your own pride, your own whatever. And you're going to have to deny yourself. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what does it benefit you? If you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul. And that word soul there, I just want to bring your attention to that. It's the word sukha. And it actually comes from the root word, again, ruach, the breath of life. And so he's saying, you will lose the very spirit of God, the breath of God, the life of God, the oxygen of heaven within you. If you don't, you know, lay down your life and, and, and give it up for me, live my way, live for my kingdom live to honor to honor the father and that's why he said in Matthew chapter 6 seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you so when we seek God's kingdom and his way of doing things what happens is we're denying ourselves uh, and, and this has really been messed up by man because you've got all kinds of teachings that have been out there about penances and about purgatory and about burning for a while and suffering and having some kind of, of torturous defeat or, or failure of some kind in order to please God. That's, that's a total perversion of the word of God that, that Jesus spoke. He said, you give up your way of doing things 
in order to do things my way. And um, so that, that word soul there, um, you lose your soul, it means the, essentially, um, it's, it's, it's three words, in fact. It's the soul, the, the sukha, which comes from the ruach, the breath of life, the, the breath of God, the spirit of God, the Shekinah glory. And it also um, is partly um, translated with the same word for soul in, in the Old Testament, which was nefesh, which is the activity of the mind, the activity of the will, and the activity of the character. So basically what God is saying, or Jesus is saying, is, is that it's the activity that you conduct in your life uh, that's the issue. And that as we... Uh, focus our minds on following Jesus, on, on, on pleasing God and on bringing delight to him. We put aside and we put down the works of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of what I want, whether it's my will, my mind or my character. Amen? I don't know if I've explained that very well, but you know, you can look it up yourself. So Paul said this. Um, he said, I count everything else as loss that I may know him. Paul said, I count it all as garbage, as trash, as uh, just that I may know him and be like him and walk like him. Jesus said in John 8, uh, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. So, you know, here is the issue where man has told you that, that a cross and that suffering is all about being in a dark place and, oh, you know, you, you can... You can Offer it up for, for, for yourself long term. That's, that's a teaching of, of, of Satan. That is not a teaching of God. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Amen. You can check that there for yourself. It's in John chapter 8, verse 12. John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And again, you've got that word life there, that, that breath of life. Um, in uh, 1 Peter 2.21, sorry, it's easier to go there besides me explaining it to you because sometimes I think that we drift off. 1 Peter 2. 21. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his footsteps. He never sinned. He never deceived anyone. No deceit was found in his mouth. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, when they hurled insults at him, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. So here, Peter is focused on that it was Jesus who went to the cross. Yes, there's going to be times where things aren't working the way you wanted them to work, the way you had planned that it should work out. But you know, as you trust God, God is faithful. 
And, and uh, you know, that suffering he's talking about there is, is not suffering with some affliction or some, some really bad thing happening. It's suffering as in laying down your own wants, desires, and will and saying, just as Jesus did in the garden, he looked and he, and he said, Father, if there's any, is there any hope of any other way? And he knew the answer already. And he said, but not my will, but yours be done. So that's what he's talking about here, is that, uh, you know, we suffer when, when we don't get what we want and when we don't get our own way. But Jesus is the one who went to the cross. And it says he personally carried our sins on his body in the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. So ultimately, that's what has to die. That's the cross, is that the flesh has to die. The sin, the wants, the desires to do the wrong things. And that's how our character is, is formed. And that's where that sculpting comes in by God. He sculpts, he shapes, he molds. And first it looks shapeless and formless and really, really ugly. But by the time the, the master is finished, it's a masterpiece. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian, the, the overseer of your soul. In John 10 and verse 27, this is a, a tender, tender verse. John 10, 27. He says, My sheep, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The sheep that don't follow the shepherd are going to get in deep, deep trouble. And that's why he said he came to seek and to save the lost. In Matthew 4, verse 19, he said to Matthew, to Simon, and to, to um, Andrew, and to John, and to James, he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They were fishing for fish. They were fishing for their life for their wants, desires, and needs. And he said, you come and follow me, and I will teach you how to fish a different way. I'll teach you to fish for a different creature and make you fishers of men. And I'll call you out into your destiny. You know, I think oftentimes people who are doing a certain job are actually doing something reflective of the calling that's really on their lives often think about that. I often think about it when I'm cleaning the toilets, actually. It's because physically, in the physical, that's actually the kind of the spiritual job that the Lord has plunked me in, <laughs> cleaning up, you know. Uh, for somebody who's, who's a farmer, uh, you know, there's, there's that, that physical work of husbandry, animal husbandry, looking after the animals, tending them, guarding them, uh, making the, the soil or whatever. People who are, uh, you know, there's people who do jobs that are very intricate. Uh, and, and, and I believe that there's a call on your life equivalent to the physical calling that you're, that you're performing. People who are in caring jobs, I believe there's often a, a you know, a kind of a, a job that's, that's on, on their, you know, that the Lord has for them. So anyway, that's just something. That's, that's extra. I, I won't charge you for that at all. <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. You know, there are people who are, who are fantastic mothers. There are people who are fantastic fathers, who are very wise, who are very solid, 
who are very uh, give great counsel. Who who and and that's not just a physical job in the physical realm. There's a call on your life for that. And if you will trust the Lord and lay down your wants, your desires, your hopes, your dreams, your lusts, your passions, and say, Father, I thank you that what it is that the call you have on my life, that you will bring me into that place, and he will. I guarantee you that's a, that's a prayer that will be answered. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Praise the Lord. Did we read... Uh, yeah, okay. And uh, while we're in John, actually, I think you might be still in John because we read John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Okay, well, in John 8 and 31, and we'll finish then. I only have 17 more. <laughs> but no, I think uh, John 8... Jesus said to the people, this is verse um, 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. People are searching for peace and for freedom, and they're trying to do it in in, in, in the physical realm, in physical manifestations. That's why they're chasing after this, that, and the other thing. And, uh, you know, I'm not just talking about, about money, power, wealth, and, and success. I, even in the kingdom of God, even in churches, you see that. People are chasing after this, that, and the other thing. But Jesus said, if you remain faithful to my teaching, to my word... You will know the truth. And the truth, in fact, in the Amplified, it says, the truth, the word of God, that you know and understand, that you comprehend, it will set you free. So there's freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And remember the scripture that we read at the beginning in Isaiah 42. God gives life to everything. He gives the breath of life to everything. So, you know, we sang that song this morning, Come Breathe Upon Me. Maybe it's something that you need to do in some area of your life where things haven't been great or working out. Father, would you breathe the breath of life? Would you breathe your ruach? Just as, as the Lord had Ezekiel, see that vision in Ezekiel 37. It's something you should read a lot. He, Ezekiel saw this valley of dry bones. It was a vision he had. The Lord showed him a vision. He saw a valley of dry bones, completely dead, withered, dry, no life there whatsoever. And it's like the Lord sort of uh, was, was playing with him or, or having, a, having, like, you know, having a good time with him. And he says, what do you think of that? And he says, I don't know, you know, Lord. And he says, well, why don't you prophesy to them? Why don't you speak? And, and, and it's important to remember this. That the word of God says in Revelation that the prophecy, that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So God wasn't telling Ezekiel, I want you to come up with your prophecy. He was saying, I want you to prophesy the word of God over these dead things. And so he prophesied, uh, bones live. And he says, and, and all of the bones came together and formed went back into their correct positions and suddenly there was all these dead bodies now instead of dead bones. 
And the Lord says, well, Ezekiel, do you think these, these can live? And he says, I don't know. You know, Lord. He didn't, Ezekiel was, was in a test and he didn't want to make the wrong move. And he said, only you know, Lord. And he said, well, prophesy to the wind, the ruach. It wasn't the gale force wind. It was the ruach, the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. Prophesy and, and ask that wind to come and breathe on these. And so he did. He did what God told him. And he said, I prophesy to the ruach. And it said that all of those bodies became alive and stood to their feet, a great and mighty army. And that's what we need to see in these days. We need to see people coming alive, you know, and, and many people are in, are in jobs or are in situations that they're getting no benefit from. They're, there's no joy there. And they need to seek the Lord and ask him, what is it that's going to make me come alive? I ask you, Holy Spirit, breath of God, the Ruach, come and breathe upon me and breathe your oxygen and your kingdom uh, purpose into my life so that I can live for you to bring you glory. Not what I want, but what you want, oh God. Amen. Amen. And so that's how we become followers of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I think we'll break. As I lift my hands in worship to your name, most high, I'm yielding to your spirit, and I'm walking in your love. Jesus, I adore you. Oh, Jesus, I adore you. Oh, Jesus, I adore your holy name. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. you Jesus we praise you we thank you Lord for bringing stability Uh, even in this season Father God I know I can sense such chaos in the atmosphere you know everywhere you go people are saying you're ready for Christmas and you know it's like just so annoying no I am not and but like you know I'm ready for for seeing Jesus and by you know I'm I'm so happy because I don't think the world is ready and that's exciting because it's going to turn it upside down (laughs) hallelujah so Lord as we as we take this bread and this cup today Lord we are proclaiming your death and your resurrection until you come again Jesus and as we take this bread today let's say this together Father God I take this bread I take this bread as a symbol, as a symbol of, the body, of the broken body of your son Jesus, of your son Jesus Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus.
You allowed your body, allowed your body to, be to be broken so that I could be healed. That I could be healed in my mind, my heart, my emotions, my character, my physical body. I receive healing as I partake in this, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, my Savior. Amen. Holy Spirit, would you come and breathe? Lord, would you come and breathe into all those places, those dead places, those dead dreams, those dead hopes, those dead desires, those dead bodies, those dead parts of the bodies. Lord, any place where there's been damage, where there's been destruction, oh God, would you come and breathe, Lord, the breath of life, the ruach, the oxygen of heaven. I pray in the name of Jesus, for that wind to come. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's take the cup. Lord Jesus, this cup is a symbol of your blood, that sinless, perfect blood that you offered as the atonement, the sacrifice for my sin and for all the sin of my bloodline, of all of those people who would ever live. Your blood was a one-time sacrifice for all of us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I could never save myself. I could never, save myself. I could never pay the price. I could never pay the price. But you paid it for me. You are my redeemer. You bought me back, bought me back. from sin, from sin. Death, death, hell, hell. Destruction. destruction, and from every demonic agenda, from every demonic agenda. that Satan had for my life. Thank you, Jesus. I rejoice for the freedom, for the restoration that you have won for me. And I ask you today to fill me afresh. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit and your power. And use me to bring the Father glory just as you brought him glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this precious time of breaking bread together and of sharing this fellowship with you and with each other and with the Father. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. And let's just say this together. Father God, I take accountability for the sins, my own, the church, the ecclesia, and all of those of our bloodline where we have been proud, puffed up, rebellious, involved in, in witchcraft and other things. Lord, I ask you to cleanse us, the body of Christ, with your precious blood. Lord, your mercies are new every day. 
And I declare, this is a season of a fresh start. It's a December to remember. And Lord, we are going into a new season. Open doors. And most of all, I look up. Lift up my eyes. And the King of Glory is about to come in. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I pray now for every person uh, here today and on the podcast and all those on Zoom. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, I break the power of every spirit of infirmity, every spirit of hopelessness and defeat, every spirit of weakness anywhere in your life that the enemy is trying to torment you. I pray, Lord, for for forgiveness. We might just pray this together as well because, you know, it's something that we just should do regularly. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for any offense. Any judgment, any judgment, any hatred, any hatred anger, anger, bitterness, bitterness uh, that I have harbored towards, towards myself, towards you, towards you, or towards any other person, any other person whether, they whether they be alive or dead. I repent, I repent in, the in the name of Jesus. And as you have forgiven me, Lord, forgiven me, Lord I now choose, I now choose to forgive those who hurt me, who betrayed me, or wounded me in any way. For those who offended me, I release them. I release forgiveness. I forgive myself for the mistakes I made. I renounce all guilt and shame. I forgive you, Father, for anything that for anything that I've held against you, I know it wasn't right. <laughs> it wasn't because God is, he is not wrong, you know, and, and sometimes it's how we have a preconceived notion or whatever happens, you know, that we blame God and we have to repent of that. It's something that's blocking people from receiving mercy and forgiveness themselves. So Lord, I forgive you for anything that I have ever held against you, things I didn't understand. I just release them to you. And I know that someday I'll know everything. And it will all be answered then. But until that time, I trust you. And I bring those who have passed away in my family, my friends, people, you know, where I was grieved. Where I where I grieved over their loss. I release them into your care because you are a faithful God. And I entrust them to you. And know that I will meet them again one day. But until that time, I choose to break every ungodly soul tie between me and them. I let them go. And I know that they are rejoicing today in your presence. And one day, when you come back, Jesus, we will all rejoice together. I thank you, Father, that I am well of soul. 
Excellent of soul. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I find that often that, and, and I, you know, I'm sure you have as well, is that there are two things often in life that, that really disturb our soul. And remember, your soul, it's the nefesh, it's the, 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 the mind, the will, the emotions. And the things that disturb our soul very often are unforgiveness and grief. And those two things need to be dealt with violently because they are a dangerous snare, as dangerous as, you know, being in the sea trying to rescue a drowning man. Because if you don't know how to handle that situation properly, he'll pull you down and you'll both drown together. And that's exactly what grief and unforgiveness do. And so, you know, it's so important not to take offense um, and sometimes we take offense, you know, and, and there's no offense at all committed. It was a, a perceived offense, you know, maybe whatever. And, and we have to admit at times that we are wrong. And, you know, even when we're not wrong, even if we take offense to something that was blatant or whatever, we need to release it to the Lord. Because, again, you go back to that artist, that master that's creating that beautiful masterpiece. And he's going to knock off all those edges He's going to shape and, and fine-tune and, and, you know, sculpt. And uh, so, praise the Lord, I'll leave that with you as well. God bless you. I pray this blessing now over everyone in this room, all our families and loved ones, and everyone listening on the podcast. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. His shalom in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord.